0: Welcome back to Conscious Sedation. This is our fifth shift, and we're super excited about it. Um, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> <Come on>! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, for a uh, celebration of this, we're going to do five fun facts about Conscious Sedation that you guys don't know about us really? in our podcast. Yeah. yeah. So... I will start with the first one. Uh, we always eat right before we start to record. So food is very, very necessary. We food are, is life. We are planning
1: food days before we are to record. What are we going to eat, though? Right. And
2: be for real. Like, okay, okay, we got the topic, but we haven't decided on the food.
1: <laughs> yes, have to eat.
2: We are not those girls you take out and they just have a salad and one crouton <laughs> definitely get our meal. on We want we a salad a too, meal. but we want an entree. We mm-hmm. don't want a salad. <laughs> Y'all want a salad.
0: <laughs> you don't have to work on this, Tiffany. I eat salads occasionally. I do. Uh, okay, one of you guys want to share
2: one? A fun fact? Yeah, I'll share. Um, we always listen to a playback. Like, after we were record, now on episode number three it was a long day for most of us <laughs> and we were struggling tiff was half ass falling asleep right next to us me and ryan are just yickety yakking but we always listen to a playback um and kind of critique ourselves and celebrate some of the things that we did well and kind of talk about laughing a that, lot
1: of the things that we jacked up oh yeah yes. yeah yeah Definitely. we have a good time
2: with the playback
1: though hmm Ryan, what you got? So when we are sitting here in our recording studio, <laughs> Ooh, when we're in the lab, when we're in, in the, the lab, lab. It's cooking up greatness for y'all, um, we always have water. We always have chapstick, or as Tasha likes to call it, lip chap, lip chap, <laughs> lip chap. And we always have our little notebook. So each of us have a journal where we jot. We made fun of Tasha the very first yeah, shift. I had did. to. I'm sorry. We did. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. No, we made fun of apology. all of her her cool notes that she was taking and making Mm. Mm. (laughs) Um, and now Tiffany and I find ourselves here (coughs) with With a journal
2: you say notes I say preparation just saying
1: Mm. now now Mm. we're equally prepared all of us (laughs) all of
2: us Uh,
0: next uh, who wants to tackle we want to share with you guys how our name conscious sedation and the email gets sedated 705 came to be
2: Who would like to tackle this topic? Um, I'll go with the name, Ryan, if you want to take the email. Uh, Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So we obviously are three black women who are nurses. And we wanted to name our podcast something that was timeless or something that could um, stand the test of time and carry through for however long this is going to last forever, us forever because ever, we are ever. putting our name our stamp on forever we're definitely doing that which will be cool i think to listen to many years from now who knows oh dear um but anyway so as nurses we wanted to um, think about something that would be a nursing word or term, something mm-hmm. that nurses would understand. And then as black nurses, we wanted to make that evident also and put our culture in it. So hashtag stay woke. Hashtag stay woke. <laughs> um, so so I mean we were just throwing a few things out here there and hopefully we can make some merchandise or t-shirts. If anybody wants to you know jump on as a sponsor, we'd love to have you. From some of our old names that we have thrown out Um, but like one of the first ones that we had chosen was 705 which is when nurses usually will do report so if nurses work 12-hour shifts they will give report at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. usually 705 is the time that we will report and Ryan said that would be the time that everybody's looking at their watch like uh, where's my relief yeah so 705 came about, but I was like, oh, that might take too much explanation. And then we came up with conscious sedation, which is a nursing term we all know And the unconscious or consciousness is something that black people refer to as being in touch with ourselves, um, having knowledge of self and knowing our roots and things like that. So it just really rolled. It worked and all of that. But we didn't want to give up 705. So Ryan.
1: Well, you just kind of said it. That's we just tacked it on mm-hmm. to the end All of right. conscious sedation. Yeah. yeah. So conscious sedation seven o five. That's also our Facebook and Twitter handle if you are looking for us on social media. Conscious sedation seven o five. Get sedated seven o five. Huh? Get you are right. Con- <laughs> wow. Ooh. See, Ooh. I, I haven't even been drinking. I haven't even been drinking today. She ain't it's been drinking. Get she ain't been drinking. Seven o five. Help. Get sedated seven o five. I'm sorry. Well, that's what happened. Registration, I think, to was do. too long
2: though
1: for or one a handle. of um, Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, we had to kind of be creative
2: and get something for all of I them. I think it started with you though. First tip: when we were doing a, a Google account for the email, remember you and I were at Chick Fil A. That was taken. Yeah, Google. Conscious P.S. Everything's so. taken in Google. So
0: <laughs> P.S.
2: It did take a while. Yes, so I'm like, well, try and get it to get sedated, and that was taken. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, tr- get sedated. Seven five, five then here we are there it is Uh,
0: our last fun fact we just want to shout out the super faithful like we haven't thought of a name for our followers yet but we have like people that are super faithful they always comment they always like our post also a special shout out to mario Mario. so he has made sure that we've always had a question every week so special shout out to him um so this week we'll go right into our mindful moment And we have special mindful music for y'all to put you in
2: a mindful mood.
1: So go into your special place. We're gonna be
2: mindful now. So I'm gonna go ahead and do my mindful moment. Um, This week we're gonna be talking about nursing culture and like hazing and orientation and all that kind of stuff and. Most of you we've already discussed the relationship that Ryan and I have where I was her oriente I was her orienter or preceptor and she was my orientee and she tells a funny story about how all of that happened <laughs> But for me this week I don't know if I'm PMSing or what it just landed kind of funny and so she and I discussed that and so what I'm mindful about and all of that is how far I've come in my own ability to communicate and um how i hadn't been in a place anymore to let that get in the way of my relationships which i really 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 value and i used to be that person that would just not say nothing shut down be resentful and that's just not who i am anymore so i'm really mindful of that and hashtag adulting and being able to have conversations that may make people squirm a little bit, but knowing that we're gonna live through it and it's gonna be okay on the other side. So,
1: and that's what that's, friendship is. Yes, and relationships that are genuine. That's what they do. Yep. Yay. All right. Ryan, what you got? Well, my mindful moment. No, I'm just we all have these soft tones. We have soft tones. Like, you have to speaking have a soft into the mic and whispering <laughs> and breathing. I am just mindful this week of, honestly, 60-second dance parties. 60-second dance parties
2: are
1: I mean, I talked a little bit a couple shifts ago about my motherhood journey, and I have to say that 60-second dance parties get me through. Sometimes I have to make everybody stop, and I turn on a song. We all have a a great song. We're kind of fans of Bruno Mars right now. (laughs) 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 me too (laughs) yeah Yeah, me too so we'll just turn everything off and just all dance together and sometimes that just really gets us through some tough times as a family so i am mindful of (laughs) 60 second dance parties (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome uh my mindful moment i've just
0: needed to remember to take time for myself uh kind of have a busy schedule going on right now with school and the podcast and work and trying to balance family and things like that so i've kind of had to remind myself like it's okay to not study for like an hour and just do something that i want to do um, and then get back to it um and that's pretty much my moment so leaving mindful land we'll be back next week
2: All right. all right now that's all right that. and we're done with that now that that's over all right all right so mindful
0: moments it has now ended so we're gonna do our hashtags from week four yes so our fourth shift our fourth shift so, my hashtag is hashtag lies. <laughs> and hey. My, hey. That was pretty funny. That's all it I have was to say about It was about a lot that. of those. Oh, my so. God. So,
1: I like people. <laughs> hey. Lies. Listen. Listen. Because I really like people. Listen. That's Yana. a lie. I don't. <laughs> That's what you said.
2: Those are hashtag your words. Not mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just listen to shit
1: forward and you'll get what they are talking about.
2: My hashtag for this week is heartwork. When Ryan was talking so passionately about what we do and how we really do bring a lot of ourselves into the mix. And this was right before Tiffany and I had our silent argument about using the hashtag. <laughs>
0: My goodness. <laughs> because, because she stole it
2: because she was peering over onto my notebook because and she was inside my brain great minds think alike i can't control that right. and we share genes so it is what it. it is i won i'm the elder hashtag hard work it's mine hashtag elder thanks elder right
1: Wawa. Yeah, Wawa. Are you saying <laughs> that? When I called you Wawa? Yes, in orientation. You would call huh? my phone and be like, Wawa. <laughs> Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: What are you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I give everybody
1: a nickname now. Um, so my hashtag is. You know, because Tiffany kind of stepped on my toes a little bit with the. Uh, oh, dear. You know, <laughs> Snatched to my edges a little bit. Uh, if you can't say amen, say ouch. And I said ouch a lot oh, in shift four. I told y'all we were going to get ourselves together. Mm. Yes. And we did. And, Tiff, and we did. Tiff got me together a little bit on that. We, yeah. we, did. we gathered ourselves. to so fix it. We're better for it, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. So maybe if you could stop throwing out linens, a hey, I do what I can. <laughs> wow, wow!
2: The commitment is underwhelming. Young hey, your face, I, a I do what I can. I do. What I ain't making no promises though. I, I try a little
0: salad. Mm-hmm. Try to keep a few linens. So balance, <laughs> That's right? All hashtag is about. Balance. Khaled. There you go. Alright, so for our inbox report, we've got an email this week uh, that actually kind of helped us to develop what the topic would be this week related to nursing, hazing, and kind of lateral uh, workplace uh, violence. So um, this email says, topic for discussion. It says internal violence. I want to know how you all handle this in the workplace as well as outside of the workplace. Also, for those who have daughters, how do you know when they are battling this among some of their peers, and what do you do to help them cope, stop, or defuse this sort of violence?
2: All right, so we
0: got another loaded, loaded, yeah. loaded question.
2: Really good question. Um, for the daughter part of it, I'll just tackle that because it's the most simple part. I think you just have to communicate, you have to talk to them. Um, recognize any signs like if she's complaining or if she's saying you know something's going on at work or if you see a change in her behavior as it relates to work is you just ask you know the person, your daughter or whatever should be in a place where she can communicate with you and if she's not then you will have to work on your own relationship that way to keep that communication open to tackle that. Um, I, I feel like I have dealt with a little bit of lateral violence in my workplace because as I talked the last shift, I feel like um, I'm not that super warm, fuzzy, bubbly kind of personality at work as it pertains to my coworkers. Like if someone asks like, hey, how was your weekend? I'm always skeptical. Like, are you asking just because you're nosy or... Because you really want to know, you know, because how many times, like in passing, do you see somebody, hey, how you doing? And you answer them, you say, hey, I'm good. How are you? And that person is gone. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, most of the time I have that face, like, why are we doing this? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really care. You either just want to be nosy or you want to gossip. And so for me, I tend to be a little bit more shut down for people who are not a part of my inner circle, especially at work. And some years back, I um I feel like I was a victim of this. Someone who was a member of our staff would write in the bathroom stall, Tasha is a bitch. Mm-hmm. Which is just like I I mean it was unbelievable to me. I'm like, is this high school? Right, it's very Childish. <laughs> right. I mm-hmm. mean and so this happened on two occasions that I'm aware of. And the first time it happened, I had co-workers who loved me very much and um, who kind of shielded me from it and they cleaned it up. And mm-hmm. so like they didn't tell anybody about it um, at the time and they cleaned it up. Like I said, I had no knowledge or whatever. Well, the second time I had an orientee and my orientee saw it. She went to the bathroom in the middle of our shift. She saw it and she went to one of our like immediate supervisors who was like on the shift or shift shift coordinator and was like, hey, you know, I saw this in the bathroom. And so I think at that time when they told me or when I saw it, it really bothered me because my A, I was conscious of my own like, it's just my mom called I was conscious of my own perception or how I was being perceived at work, but more so because I had an orientee. Mm -hmm. And so because she saw it, I was just like, okay, so now how do I clean this up or what do I do to fix this? And why would anybody do that? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're not in high school. And that was all I could think of. So. On the, the surface, I was just like, okay, that speaks more to who they are, not really to who I am. But underneath it did hurt my feelings. Right. And so I didn't really talk to anybody about it at work. Like the the next day I, I took a picture of it and I went to my manager and I let her know, like, hey, you know, this is going on. I don't think that this is appropriate. And this happened like behind closed doors. So not just in an open or public restroom that we used on the unit. This was inside our locker room. So in a place where we had to have badge access to get into. And so I'm like, it's clearly Mm -hmm. an employee. And so I kind of pressed her like, well, what are y'all going to do about this? And so at the time they involved security and human resources and installed some security cameras, but nothing else ever came of it. And so at that time, I was just like, I think I was going through a lot of stuff in my personal life. And I was just like, okay, I'm taking this right on to the therapist's couch. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. Like, at the time, I was already seeing a therapist to work out some other stuff. But it was just kind of like, it was great, I guess that this happened during that time. And so I went you know, talk to her about it, and it helped me to kind of depre- decompress, like, just to take the lid off. I didn't feel like I wanted to appear weak to any of my coworkers because at that point, I'm like, I don't know who did it, you know, That's so right. it wouldn't make sense for me to break down to who could be responsible, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, I felt like I would be giving them the satisfaction, or giving them what it was they wanted to see, like, they, they wanted to break me or something like that. But I, I definitely took it to a place where it was going to be in confidence, where I felt safe um, and where I felt comfortable with someone who I trusted. And that helped me to kind of get through that. And not only that, I also thought about how I was coming off, you know, because, yeah, it said something about them, but. I couldn't help but be introspective on the back end like okay what's happening with me that this is the perception that I'm giving you know what I'm saying and it's not always the case and you can't always look at yourself based on what someone else does but the mature part of me couldn't not you know that's a double negative but I think that works at that point but yeah so Since then, there's not been a whole lot go on, of course, but I'd like to think that I'm a different person and I'm better because of it. Um, And while I might still not be that person that's like, hey, guys, and bubbly, because I want to be authentic and true to who I am. um, I also don't think that I'm just a raging bitch either. I don't think I was then. But, you know, it's kind of like in certain situations where people expect me to be terrible to them or jump in if some if other people are going in on somebody I abstain from those conversations and kind of just take myself out of it Um, especially if it's not my inner circle or group of people who I trust I'm just like "Eh, you know we don't know what they're going through I kind of try to be a more um, neutral voice in that situation try to be the the comforter or the empathetic party that comes to the table because I know what that feels like to just feel like everybody at work is, you know, against you. Mm-hmm. or And then I'm like, you know, if this person, we'd never find this person like someone knew who did it and even that person like you just as guilty because you're shielding them and why would you do that to anybody? But yeah, so I would encourage you to talk to your daughter and keep those lines of communication open because it does happen. Like, grown-ass people, <laughs> they are still human and Subject to doing real childish stuff
1: like that. Any thoughts, Ryan? I do have thoughts. Um, I would say that on the opposite side of it, so like workplace violence or um even the nurse hazing and all that stuff. So bullies, it's basically you're a bully. And so if you are a bully as an adult, you were most likely a bully as a child and were bullied
2: Mm -hmm. or were
1: bullied. Yeah. That's another different angle. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, And so I think in terms of talking to your daughter or talking to your children, um, the same way that you want to talk to your children about if, they are experiencing violence or bullying. You also want to make sure your kid is not the damn bully. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that your child is not the one who is or your wife or whoever is not the one who's inflicting violence onto somebody else. Um, again, always bring my girls into the situation, especially my 11 year old. I am always teaching her to. um be the one who brings somebody into the fold, who's the one who's left out like you were saying Tasha, if you are the one who's always being picked on or talked about or whatever, I encourage my daughter to be nice to that person, to sit with that person at lunch or to ask that person if they need something if they look lost Um, not to um, engage in other, (laughs) when all the other kids are like making fun or talking bad about that person because at the end of the day, these are characteristics like you're you're building personalities you're building traits in in you as a person as you grow older and so that's who you become as an adult and so if you're a bully as a kid um, most likely you're gonna be a bully as an adult and so I think that again we talked about a couple shifts ago going back to the beginning and you know nipping it in the bud at the very beginning making sure your kid is not being a bully and also being neutral (laughs) Is still you're still committing the act. Like mm-hmm. if you you're just as wrong as a person who is committing the actual act of violence or bullying or whatever the case may be. If you're not if you see it and you're not saying anything, um, then you're also just as guilty. And so I pers- I don't have any personal experience with um, violence within the workplace. I don't feel like I've ever been a victim. Nor thank goodness have I ever been. A- <laughs> perpetrator of that. Um, I'm kind of like you, Tasha. I kind of lay low. I'm not a big person who um, has lots of conversation at work. And sometimes that can be perceived um, as something being wrong with me or I may have a negative attitude or whatever the case may be. But um, that's just like you said, I'm true to who I am. And thank goodness my mom built lots of confidence (laughs) in me as a child where I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the fact that and the people who have gotten to know me know who they know who Ryan is and they're cool with the fact that I have quiet moments or low-key moments and so I can't be concerned I could be I'm not (laughs) concerned about what anybody on the outside thinks of that Um, as long as I'm here and I'm getting my work done and I'm able to have a conversation with you about workly duties I am not at work to make friends and I think that some people have a hard time with that and so when you don't if you're not there to have friends and there are co-workers who are there to have friends, they don't know how to receive you because... Or if they see you being
2: super friendly with someone else. Yeah. They really get jealous. And that, <laughs> I
1: feel like that's been my experience. Yeah, that could be true too. But yeah, I don't have a. a... Thank goodness I don't have any personal experience of um, being a victim of workplace violence.
0: Okay. I have seen some actual internal workplace violence um, kind of the example that sticks out most to me would be like examples of like residents and attendings um, where like the resident has done something wrong um, and then the attending just like comes down on them really hard. And it'll be to the point where like nurses will know to like, hey, get get out of room, whatever, because um, so-and-so is getting chewed out. And unfortunately, I, I don't think that that's like an isolated incident um and a lot of times it's said that um the doctors are doing it you know to teach them so that they won't make that mistake again um but a lot of times I sometimes think that it fosters like a a negative self-esteem level in that resident because I mean many times I've like seen them they're coming out of the room they're like crying they're like shaking up you know and they I mean it doesn't it doesn't make them better in a sense because now they're scared, mm-hmm. and um, even though they did do something wrong, I don't necessarily think that's the best way to address it. Also, I've seen also from the nursing side um, during orientation, there's a there's a lot of gray area between when the orientee wants to make sure that the nurse is like competent enough to work on that particular unit, and when like the things that they're doing to quote, test this when those cross over into hazing and when it's, you know, no longer appropriate. So, I mean, there's, I mean, it's one of those things where it's known in the nursing profession that nurses eat their young, and it's as terrible as that sounds. It happens all the time on all types of different Mm -hmm. units. And a lot of the more seasoned nurses say that this is like the way that you weed out you know, nurses that aren't appropriate for your unit or, you know, somebody that's, you know, not in their mind fit. And so that's where it gets to be a sticky sticky situation, definitely, because Mm -hmm. it's based on some ambiguous definition. There's no clear cut, like just because you think so, this person isn't made for this unit. So that kind of leads us right into this meaty topic of hazing. So first I kinda wanna get your, each of our thoughts about what hazing is exactly. Like when does it cross that line from a proper orientation and gets into hazing? So um, who wants to go first? Ryan. Oh now
1: if, <laughs> if you're not first you're last. That's, not, that's out the window. So, today. all right. <laughs> I didn't know I gracious. didn't know who was gonna take it talk first. for about
2: fifty minutes. All okay. The questions. So you so, gonna so,
1: you're, mm-hmm. you're gonna let us take mm-hmm. it from a share airspace. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um, so I believe that a proper orientation um, is going to be it's not gonna be easy for an orientee. Right, the expectation. I, I think a lot of times as nursing students, um, you think that <laughs> nursing school has prepared you. You mm-hmm. passed NCLEX. Um, you you know everything that you need that you need to know to be a good nurse. And so you got into the field expecting to be oriented, basically, like to be just checked off on stuff because you feel competent. You feel like you know enough to um, go out and be a good nurse well I mean in terms of of course I think that I think that you feel like you could be a good nurse I think that you think you have to learn um that specialty so like if you're an OB nurse or an ICU nurse or an ER nurse or an OR nurse I think that a lot of nurses feel like they just have to learn those tasks but I think in general as a nurse basic nursing duties you guys didn't feel competent as a eh, nurse. Eh. See?
2: No. See, <laughs> first of all, if I had any kind of confidence in whatever my nursing "quote unquote" skill was, in NCLEX shot me right down because I had each and every question, and I was in that mug for like three and a half hours, mm-hmm. and I swore that I failed. So I did not come out with any degree of confidence at all. I didn't. I'm like, you know, sometimes you're like, well, at least I won't kill nobody, and I was like, you know. I... <laughs>
1: I mean, I was for real. Yeah. Um, Well, I I think that the nurses who came from my program um, during the years that I was, you know, in school, I feel like um, each graduating class, I feel like felt competent in your nursing skills like just basic nursing skills again i think that oh um, you're talking about like just starting ivs and stuff yeah like that. just basic oh. nursing stuff and i'm saying like yeah i think that but. you don't because yeah if you're working a specialty of course you have to learn the ins and outs of that particular specialty you gotta learn that specialty's drugs and all that stuff but i think in general you feel competent um but the truth is that you don't know shit when you got nursing school and truly um, it takes um, a really really good nurse um, to precept and to to create and to mold um, a a new grad nurse to be a good nurse and of course (laughs) where you start as the new grad that makes a lot of difference um, in terms of what kind of nurse you'll be when you come on the outside um, come out on the other side of orientation But um, every nurse cannot precept. Every nurse should not precept. It takes a special nurse to orient new staff, um, particularly a new grad, because, again, a new grad doesn't know shit. And even if you have successfully started a couple IVs in (laughs) nursing school, it's nothing like starting an IV in a stressful situation where you only have a short amount of time to get it started to push some drugs or whatever the case may be. And so um, I think going back to the question that um, because a a new nurse doesn't know anything really coming out of nursing school, I mean, basic stuff like you might know when somebody's bagel down or you might know when somebody's blood pressure needs a doctor to look at it or whatever. You might know basic things, um, basic disease processes. Um, And so a good nurse orienter, a good preceptor um, is going to. It's going to be stressful. You're going to be under, under pressure. You're, it's going to be hard. You're going to be exhausted. Your brain is constantly thinking. I always use the um, example of I felt like when I came out of nursing school, um, I knew things, but they were in. A, it was all in a file cabinet. And so I had a file for this disease process, and I had a file for this disease process, and I had a file for mother baby, and I had a file for vaginal health, and I had a file for pediatrics and whatever the case may be. But it's not until you are um, in orientation on the floor that you start to understand how the brain works with the heart, and how the heart works with the you know this disease process, and how when this happens, this causes this to happen, and there's a cascade of events. Like then you all then once you are a nurse, like an actual nurse, you're out of orientation, you're on the floor, you're working with patients. It's not until that happens that you're like, oh, these things whole body works together like the knee bone is connected to the you know (laughs) the leg bone like it it makes all kind of sense and I think that um a good orientation will do that for you um and so because you're all and you're constantly thinking trying to pull a file so it's hard it's exhausting um however I think we teeter over into um hazing when you're asking or expecting a, a nurse, a new grad nurse, or a nurse that came from another floor. Maybe she never worked in that type of a specialty before. You're asking her and expecting her to know things and to complete tasks that um, that she shouldn't be responsible for at that time. I think that's when it becomes hazing. You know, of course a nurse should be able to start an IV, um, but maybe she a new grad probably can't start an IV on a super dehydrated patient and you're asking her to do things give give a new nurse a juicy vein to, to sick for the first couple times that builds confidence um, and that is what she should be expected to do she should be able to expect to draw I mean she should be expected to be able to draw blood from a juicy vein but a super dehydrated collapsed vein hard to find rolling. vein yeah a rolling. Drug yeah Um, Maybe give her an opportunity to try, of course, um, but then take her back in and teach her how to do it. Don't shun her or scream at her because she couldn't get it done. Um, I think that's when we start to teeter into hazing. um, One way that we do when you start to expect things that are inappropriate for um, your orientee to be able to do. That's one, I think, big way.
0: Mm -hmm. Tasha, any thoughts about yeah like the i can
1: yeah. <laughs> the teeter talk hashtag hashtag <laughs> um
2: i can think back to one term you used to use a lot ryan when we would talk about your orientation how you felt like it was like drinking from a fire hose mm-hmm. or a fire hydrant like
1: mm-hmm. water hose yeah mm-hmm.
2: as an orientee it's just all this rush of stuff information tasks Uh, delegation patient stuff charting charting yeah Um, just system stuff Mm -hmm. like all this stuff coming at you at once and it can be extremely overwhelming and I think that um, when a preceptor leaves the preceptee to their own devices to figure that out that can be hazing and then um, when the the preceptee or the learner is in a situation that could be um, detrimental to the patient And the preceptor doesn't do their job. Yeah, doesn't swoop in and save the day, so to speak. Um, I think that that could be really, really, really traumatic for someone who's just learning. And it can make them shy away. It doesn't build the confidence. Like you said, it breaks down their security levels or anything like that. And for me, because of the nurses eat their young kind of thing, I came out of nursing school Feeling like I was a flea on the bottom of somebody's shoe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence about basic nursing things. I felt like I had the book part of it, but most of it was on-the-job training. And I felt like I had the people component. Like, I can sit and talk with a patient. That doesn't scare me. Whereas a lot of people who was more robotic about the tasks couldn't have a conversation with their patients. And so... Yeah, when you are talking about hazing um, after the orientation period, because, of course, there's going to be a long time before that nurse is even comfortable or doesn't need saving, quote unquote. I think not giving them the support that they need and being clicky. Can be hazing to them, you know, just... It can feel like hazing to them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when they are on the outside of things. And so, I mean, again, I'm guilty, you know, of doing these sorts of things and not welcoming that new person to the fold. Um, But just over time, after learning how to um, coach somebody up and set them up for success, as opposed to waiting for their demise... Because I think there's layers to it, you know, it's different aspects to it where you could you could not be setting them up, but you're not exactly helping them out either. Um, I've had to learn to avail myself more to our new nurses moving to a new hospital. It, it seems like we got a lot, lot, lot of new staff at once. And we needed that. We needed that blood transfusion is what I called it, a new blood transfusion. We were all cranky and on the edge and trying to figure out this new system new change and it was just rough and we needed that fresh set of eyes fresh personality um, on our unit and it was a good thing for us so it was in our benefit to welcome our new girls and make them feel like they could do it and me like being an old head or elder which whatever you guys want to call it like moving up that chain feels a lot different from this angle like being the charge nurse and being on the floor with a bunch of new nurses it doesn't help me to let those new nurses fail you know because in essence if they fail so did I sure. and yeah. so did our patients and so being on the other end of it which again just experience and life has kind of taught me to be empathetic because I didn't know what that felt like, not being a charge nurse or not being a team player or whatever. But once you step into these different roles, you just have a different perspective about it. But yeah, coming out of nursing school, I didn't know anything because I felt like our nursing instructors were like, uh, we gonna baby step this to y'all, but y'all really don't know anything. And the goal is to get you to pass NCLEX. Hmm. The end. I had the benefit of working on my unit as a student prior to being hired there. And I had really, really good preceptors who kind of just let me go and find my own way. And they were always available if I needed help or if I had gotten into trouble. But I never really felt like they would let anybody haze me. They would make some little little comments like other nurses, not my preceptors, would be like, hey, does, does your orientee or does your student need this experience? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it, and it, said experience would be grunt work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i'm saying like hey Mm -hmm. my patient had a blowout Mm -hmm. your student need this experience no my student don't need that experience Mm -hmm. she's good she knows how to wipe an ass Mm -hmm. you go ahead and wipe your own you know what i'm saying like that kind of stuff i felt like my my preceptors did a good job of rallying around me and being like no if you have an iv that you need to start if you need to push some drugs or whatever or if you want her to Oh, start a catheter or something like that then cool but all your other kind of menial tasks don't make that Skut. a quote yeah work. don't make that a quote-unquote right. learning and growing moment for yeah, her because yeah. i don't want to do this like, right. let the come in here to do that yeah right yeah okay
0: so kind of what i'm gathering from like ryan like the hazing part kind of crosses over to when you're expecting more from people than what they can give to you um and then tasha kind of spoke to more of like the the positives from like a positive reinforcing environment for um, orientation and how that's more helpful. Um, To me, I kind of agree with Ryan, like when it's um, when you're expecting more from the person that they can give you. Um, Also kind of agree with what Tasha had said about when it is um, what they're doing to test the person uh, is detrimental to the patient. Um, Never should the patient Um, feel like or if other people looked in on the situation like it's an experiment Mm -hmm. like let's see how quickly it takes the new grad to realize (laughs) we've clamped off the arterial line or like let's see people
2: would do that that is
0: this uh i was talking to someone at a different job and she had said that like in her orientation she was on a cardiac icu (laughs) the um, wrong place to be playing. Oh, yeah. Like somebody's somebody's patient. They would, like, she said, they would, like, clamp off her chest tubes and, like undo things and see how long it took her to notice and i thought that was like the most horrible i was like how where's your ethics right i was like that is where to me that is like the definition of hazing like you have crossed the line the patient is now at risk Mm -hmm. because you're trying to test someone's critical thinking those are types of situations where i feel like if it's not actually happening those are things you talk through with someone to be like hey if this happens this is what you look for on the monitor and um, or of course like the best experience is real life experience when it actually is happening Mm -hmm. but don't create, create <laughs> yeah. this environment and then so you're sabotaging
2: yeah um See, i'd be
1: so pissed like keep your hands off my there. patients oh, yeah. stay out of my patient's room i literally
2: would not be able to work a and job like that like once i definitely. figured out that's what was going on i wouldn't be because i was like it. how did you make
0: it through your orientation and she was like she said she had gone on like anxiety medications No, she was no. having like you know Uh, meltdowns every day when she went home because she felt like she couldn't do it
2: it's a no for me
0: and i was (laughs) like i don't even know (laughs) how you went on to like continue working like she's an awesome icu nurse but i was like how like if that was all going on within my first couple of months like i would be like no Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's (laughs) terrible so yeah that's that would definitely be my definition of hazing um but back to the nurses eating their young um, why do you guys think that this is still acceptable like everyone knows that it goes on and management upper management they still allow it to go on why do you think that it, that is I feel like it kind of has a little bit to do with uh, especially the people higher up they they went through it they survived so they're like if if we can get through it we know it goes on as long as it doesn't get to you, you know, X point, then go ahead. Um, that's personally what I think is that most people have gone through it, so they just kind of turn a
2: blind eye to it. But what do you guys think about it? I think a lot of new employees or new nurses are afraid to tell anybody. And so, um, in upper management or even middle management's defense, I don't know that they know about it um and then you kind of have to kind of temper it based on how much time it's been because I've had somebody run and be like Tasha's I don't even know like what the wording was or whatever but it was me and two other nurses that were like called into (laughs) the office and they were just like you know well so-and-so felt like you guys Um, Talked to her really harsh And I was like Okay what did I say And literally was a situation Where the person called and said Hey I need XYZ And I said okay um, This is who you call for that And then if that person Isn't available you can always call The lab or whatever You can always call the pharmacy Whatever the response was And I was just like (laughs) Bro, I was being mean to you by giving you information like you are a new person. Like at some point it's you wonder like what cars do we chase after as a manager? You know what I'm saying? That person has to be around for a while and management is going to know that employee that's been there for a while. And if it seems like something that's uncharacteristic, then what are they going to do with that information? You know what I'm saying? True. I don't know I think it's a thin line But I think a lot of times people don't Don't say anything they don't speak up Like somebody clamping off art lines and chest tubes Like that's cr- Anxiety medication For orientation That to me is That's unheard of But yeah a lot of nurses do feel like Well I've, I've been through it and I survived um, Let's just see what kind of grit they have But I feel like, especially if you work where I work, you'll have enough opportunities to show
1: what you're made of. (laughs) They will come to you. I think that um, a lot of, piggybacking off of what you said about um, a lot of new nurses are not comfortable or they're scared to report it, um, I also think a lot of new nurses are afraid to speak up for their damn self. Mm -hmm. Like, you are a nurse just like the other nurse who is you know causing you stress or distress or whatever um you're allowed to speak up for yourself if a nurse is pushing their scut work on you um going directly to you as a source like hey I got this do you want to do that I said no many times many like no thank you I I, I know I, I just did that yesterday I think I'm good I think I, I think I got that down now if it's something that I nice. felt like I needed more work on I'm yeah. always down to start an IV when I was in orientation. Like, let me—I I, was—I was checking for myself. Like, I need—I need to, I need to be batting a thousand right here. Yeah. So, um, who needs one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you get an IV. You get an IV. Everybody get, get, an get an IV. IV. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, passing meds or just very basic stuff—I didn't need help with that kind of things. Opening your delivery tray—I <laughs> got that down. Like, I don't need that. And so, um, I think you know, there's something to be said even in nursing school. I think that nursing schools should be educating. It's kind of like, like I didn't hear nurses eat their young, you know, that mm-hmm. term. I didn't hear that um, from my instructors. I heard it from other students, mm-hmm. um, students who may have been LPNs going to get their RN or students who may have been, you know, nurses or um, techs or whatever on a floor that this little buzz term or whatever I didn't hear it from my instructors and I think instructors um, nursing schools kind of have a responsibility to educate the students about this as a you know a possible thing um, and how to navigate through it Mm -hmm. as a you know once you are a new nurse because Mm -hmm. I think um, it can tear a nurse down and it can cause a nurse who maybe she would have really been a good ICU nurse Mm -hmm. um, and now she's you know, not, maybe she, she leaves because it's too much for her. And so then she becomes a different nurse, but maybe she would have been better. Maybe she's still a good nurse. I'm not saying that, but maybe she would have been, her place could have been an ice as an ICU nurse and people pushed her, you know, away. She could have been very valuable to that unit, people, you know, to the families and to the staff. And so I think nursing schools have a really big responsibility. And so that could be why, um, It still goes on because if you as I mean it's like the same thing like being a bully if you as a victim if you continue to allow um, Mm -hmm. yourself to be bullied and you never stand up for yourself you never say hey don't push me or don't take my lunch money Mm -hmm. then people are going to continue to do that to you and so I think if you know going in as a new nurse hey this might be a thing I might have this is is, these are the different ways that I can handle it um, then I think that maybe it it may kind of dissolve a little bit if, if nurses are standing up for themselves a little bit more
2: I feel like some nursing schools wear it as a badge of honor that they are like hard asses because I promise you yes. I had I had instructors like say mean things to me oh really? yes my labor and delivery clinical instructor or she was like my OB clinical instructor flat out was like I'm sure you'll never be an L&D nurse no <sighs>
1: or surely you
2: surely you won't want to be an OB nurse did you send her a picture of your badge when
1: she got got hired it was just one of those right
2: it was just one of those things that I was like (laughs) that's cute and kept it moving and then once I went to a med surge clinical now mind you I'm the only black girl in the school of nursing at this point Mm -hmm. so I show up to clinical and she looks at me listen it was like seven o'clock in the morning i was not trying to hear whatever it was she had to say but she was like oh you are just really washed out you need on some eyeliner or some mascara or something (laughs) and i was just like these sorts of things i was like this is laughable that people even be this way to somebody but i think some nursing schools and nursing instructors they wear like it's something to be proud of. So like, they're eating their young. They're yes. eating them
0: before they're even like yeah. Yes and
2: so I'm just saying like to your point you think it's the nursing school's responsibility or you said it is to prepare them but what is. happens when that is the nursing instructor in that if very culture position? culture within the
1: nursing school yeah. too. I, see I didn't experience that within mm-hmm. the nursing school. And I totally did. I didn't experience it. that as the culture um, in the nursing school. I mean my, nurse, my nursing instructors were very well enough to be instructors um, but they had so so much compassion and so mm-hmm. so much patience not with not us not. as students yeah. i mean we that first awesome. you know those first couple classes where they're trying to weed out of course because what <laughs> the, was about was about 40 percent of people who, who who start graduate right mm-hmm. it's not right. a lot of people who end up graduating um and so i think that they're trying to weed out but not weeding out because they don't think that you are capable, but weeding out because they don't think that you're committed because Mm -hmm. like we have always talked about nursing school, it ain't no bitch Mm -hmm. and it ain't for the faint of heart. Mm -mm. So if, you know, I think that's what they're trying to figure out. How what's your commitment level? Like, it's cute to be like, I want to be a nurse. Are you doing how this because it. you want to get paid exactly. or because this is your passion? Because yeah, everyone knows that nursing It'll pays show real well. fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that was, you know, I think they did that kind of weeding, but I didn't personally experience um, hazing in nursing school, and that's super mm-hmm. unfortunate yeah. for you even in school mm-hmm. to have experienced that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I had
2: some great nursing instructors, but it was even more so weird for me because I went my first two years at Tennessee State University, and so at TSU the nursing instructors were really nice and but yeah. I didn't have a lot of nursing classes there right. mm-hmm. and so I transferred went to Purdue and it was just like a whole new <laughs> <laughs> level yeah. it was hashtag real school is what one of my best friends calls it i mean it was just not a game and i knowing that the school that I was going to I knew that it was like game on and so I had my armor on and whatever they said I was just like whatever because I would be in clinical and like most of the nurses who I worked with they loved me I was like a senior like TA kind of they were all super cool all the time but I just had a couple nursing instructors who I don't know they maybe wanted to see what I was made of and so much of that
1: is Um, a black person being at a predominantly white institution and that's so I mean that's a whole different dynamic and can be a whole whole nother shift um but so much of that I know because I mean I was the only black person in my class Mm -hmm. my graduating class you know Mm -hmm. and so um you just said that you were I definitely there were two guys
2: and one minority, which was me. And I was just like... <laughs> That's funny. Y'all need to work on these numbers mm-hmm. because it's ridiculous. And, like, I think then I was... It, I mean, there's levels to consciousness um, I'm learning now. But then it was like seeing some of the textbooks and the literature that we were being taught was slanted towards, like, or against minorities, black people, whatever. Yeah. And anytime there was like yeah African-Americans yada 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 predominantly everybody's looking at me in physical assessment I'm like if y'all think (laughs) for one moment y'all about to roll up and look in my ears because quote-unquote African-Americans usually have da-da-da-da-da trait don't come over here Mm -hmm. because there will be trouble but it was just yeah it was crazy I like I said I had a very interesting experience there, but there were definitely some people who was gunning for me and I knew that. And so that just charged me all the more and because I love a challenge and I'm stubborn in a good way <laughs> in that regard. And I was like, oh, you think I'll never be an OB nurse? Cool. You know, like it was watch just crazy. Me. Right. Don't believe me. Just watch. And at the time, like, I don't even know that I had decided or I maybe was thinking that I wanted to be a women's health nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. so labor and delivery was the likely path but it wasn't like an absolute for me at that point but that could have very easily knocked me off my square discouraged me Mm -hmm. and i could have chosen something else but i didn't all right one last question for you guys you know how i like to flip the
0: script and make it totally opposite of what we've been talking about (laughs) so um with this hazing You know, as a nurse, you develop good relationships with the physicians. So, as new nurses coming to work on at some particular facilities, um, sometimes there's, quote, hazing from the physicians, where you're going to ask for orders, you're saying XYZ is wrong with the patient, and because they don't know you, they're not listening. What would you suggest for a nurse that's in this type of situation? Uh, where she feels like just because she's new, the doctors aren't respecting her opinion. They're not getting things implemented that she needs for her patients because she's a new nurse on this particular unit.
2: Um, I have the benefit of working with residents. And most of our staff who are even at the hospital now, like on the unit that I'm on, came through our residency program. And I was there when they first came. So we have a long-running oh. relationship. Um, and I'm kind of like Tiger Mom as it pertains to my orientees. And I'm very protective. And most of my coworkers, staff, residents, or whatever know this is not what you want to do with your life. <laughs> and so if I see or even get an inkling that they are being unfair or... Um, unreasonable to my orientees I'm like give me that phone (laughs) you know what I'm saying so I can call it in and get them right or we can talk about this work this out or whatever but um, I have had some situations where new staff will come in and they're just kind of not acclimated to the way we quote-unquote do things or they don't know us and our skill level I kind of try to look at it from a perspective of them being unsure of themselves You know what I'm saying? Mm Because we talked about like the bullying thing and how people treat you is not so much about you. It's more about them. And so if we have doctors who yell, scream, throw things, temper tantrum. I mean, we very rarely we haven't had this in a long time. But in tense situations, of course, emotions run high. I'm in labor and delivery. So you're kind of dealing with babies, moms, and it can be stressful. But there's always an opportunity to talk about it after. Um, So if there's something that goes on in a room that's inappropriate, I am one of those people like I don't start a fight, but I I'm not afraid of conflict in any way. And so I'll be like, hey, can we talk about this afterwards or pull them to the side? Like, we need to discuss this because this exchange went down between you and this person and it's not okay. And I have put out many fires um, at the hospital as a charge nurse. Or as like the preceptor and not even just on the doctor side, but on my orientee side, like, OK, so in this situation, this is what could have been done better on your side or whatever. And same thing with the physician. So I think it all just comes down to um, communication. And for me, like I said, I have the luxury of working with um, residents. So most of them are fresh out of medical school. They are green. Um, some of them are cocky and in those situations I kind of just step back (laughs) and let them fall flat on their faces (laughs) if that's what it takes I mean not to my patient's demise but sometimes you got to just let people you know give them enough rope to hang themselves so that they learn but um, yeah I think you should just talk to them and I don't I I don't take too kindly to doctors being mean to new nurses or whatever, because not only have they been there before, but many of them are in the situation right now. And if they're looking for guidance, like you can't be the mean ass, but need help on the back end.
1: You just can't do that. So um, prior to me being a nurse, I was um, an oral surgery assistant for a while. (laughs) Fun facts about right. <laughs> um, You're laughing. This is gonna be good, huh? And they the the group of doctors who I worked for, I mean, seriously had major doctor God complex. <laughs> like, I mean, they were I mean would yell at you, would I'm talking about we in oral surgery, so we weren't doing cardiac, you know <laughs> we weren't doing open heart surgery, but they had major, major, major doctor God complex. And so um, I was very young when I was an oral surgery assistant and um, confident in my skills, but not necessarily. I mean, they were doctors. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I was a little bit. Nervous, Or they would sometimes give me anxiety. Going to work would sometimes give me anxiety. To, you don't, you never knew what mood they were going to be in or what case might stress them out to <laughs> throw an instrument on the tray. Um, and so that experience taught me that at the end of the day, you know, they have to sit to poop just like I do. Mm-hmm. They put one pant leg on at a time the same way that I do. And they're just as human as I am. And so I no longer fall prey to the doctor God, white coat, I don't care. And so if you... Male, female. Yeah, who cares? At the end of the day, we both are taking care of the same patient. And so if I'm asking you for an order, because I can't give a med until you put an order in for it, but I know my patient needs this med, um, I'm going to... Kind of harass you until you do what I say. I know exactly where the room is that you, the (laughs) physician's room. I know exactly where you might be taking a nap. I know what your phone number is. Like, I'm going to continue to harass you. And so, (laughs) my suggestion would be I don't care, you mad? Oh, you sleep? Sorry about you. Like, I don't get to take a nap Mm -hmm. on my shift, so who cares? And if that doesn't, um, get the physician's attention to get what I need um, because he's not respecting me as a new nurse, there's a chain of command for that. You then go to your, your charge nurse or your you know shift coordinator or whatever your chain of command is um, to get your patient taken care of. And then once, sometimes we do have to let our work speak for itself. And you cannot always expect um, for the people that you work with to trust you just because you have Um, credentials behind your name but your work will begin to speak for itself even you taking the effort to say to this physician three times hey can you please put this order in or my patient really needs this and they don't listen to you for you to be confident enough to go a step further to your charge nurse and say hey this doctor is tripping and he won't or she won't do whatever I'm asking for them to do um that speaks volumes, I think, to a physician like, OK, I probably can't play with her because she's going to make sure that I get things done. And so my suggestion would be um, in terms of hazing, if that comes from a physician or practitioner that way, um, there's, there are policies in place to help to protect you from that type of hazing, especially when your patient could potentially be in danger from a doctor refusing to grant an order or write an order or whatever. Do whatever it is that you need to them to do for the patient.
2: There's reports too. I know we mm-hmm. have like a um, something. I don't know what it's called, like a abuse report or something like that that you can fill out online or. Oh yeah, um, there's like and there's, sometimes there's yeah. like a number you can call to. Yeah. To if like you're in any kind of lateral violence or whatever inappropriate. Um, behavior like in front of patients or anything mm-hmm. like that, you can definitely do that. And then recently our hospital um released like a code word kind of which we all were like, oh yeah <laughs> but like if there's a, a stressful situation or say, you know, the doctor and the nurse are at the patient's bedside and they have a disagreement Mm-hmm. If at any point, either of those parties feel like, okay, this has gotten out of hand, mm-hmm. I need a timeout or whatever, they can say said word. Okay. And that just kind of puts the kibosh on. Everybody like, stops. And we're yeah. done. Sh- or yeah, yeah, safe word. Yeah, word. that's pretty much like, you know what, <laughs> we are finished with this conversation yeah. or, or right now. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to rein it in. That's just kind of like that flag, like, all right, something's off. Yeah. Right. You know, and so I think institutions are acknowledging it in a way and kind of putting those kinds of things in play to protect their employees. um, Because at the end of the day, they know that they're not putting their hands on patients or they're not working the night shift or, you know, whatever. And if these things are going on, it's their responsibility to respond.
1: Absolutely. If you want to keep your staff.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: If you want to keep people working on your patients.
0: Yeah. Right. All right. So next we've got our nursing notes. So I just had like a couple of preceptor tips for those of you out there that are preceptors or um, will be preceptors soon. (laughs) So a couple positives to keep in mind. Uh, The most important thing, being a preceptor, is to be patient. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we've been talking about this whole shift, um, this person that has been entrusted into your guidance, uh, they are new or they're new to your facility. So it's your job to show them the ropes to make sure that they know everything that they need to know to be a good nurse. Um, I think a lot of times preceptors get caught in this web of thinking that they need to share with the orientee everything that they know and that's <laughs> all,
1: impossible all in one, in one day <laughs> right. all in one shift right.
0: and you will <laughs> overwhelm that poor soul that you try to spew all this knowledge so just bit by bit Share with them what you know. And then also your job is not to make them an expert nurse like you are. You're supposed to make them a competent nurse yes. so mm-hmm. that they are safe to take care of the patients on your unit. So keep that in mind. Like you're, They're new, so they're going to have to grow just like you did, but you don't have to get them right to where you are in X many Six weeks, to 12 weeks. Right? <laughs> right? whatever your facility uh, grants. Also be honest with that person. If they're asking you how they're doing, and there's areas where they need to improve tell them that don't you know gloss over and be like hey you're doing great and then you're going and gossiping to your coworkers, man this person is trash (laughs) we need to get them off the unit like don't do that like let them know hey i we had this patient they're crashing these are some things that you could have you know checked off a little faster and things could have went differently um also um just be positive (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. that's my biggest thing I feel like like that old saying with the you get more with honey or whatever whatever share. insect comes or with the <laughs> Right. That's, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the one right there. That mm-hmm. one. Yes. I think uh, orientation goes a lot better when, as a preceptor, you have a positive mindset. So you enforce things that they're doing well. Um, you try to not harm them and their mind and their thinking like you're trying to guide them not set them up for failure and like watch them burn Mm -hmm. towards the end of orientation yeah you got to get them into some more critical situations to see how they do because that's what they will run into but also let them know that you're right there you're not gonna let them kill anybody Mm -hmm. those were always my uh, words to people i won't let
1: you kill anybody
0: (laughs) (laughs) so do you guys have any nursing notes
1: to add yeah um my nursing notes are going to be more toward the orientee um I would like to add as an orientee just be open even if you feel competent in a certain skill and your preceptor has you doing this skill over and over and over again just take it as an opportunity to learn something else or to um, better your skill um and so I would just say be open also um just remember that every day is a new day. So even if you had a really, really crappy shift before, you know, the day before, and maybe you and your preceptor didn't get along very well that day, or maybe she said, or he said some really hard things to you about how you could improve, like Tiffany said, just go into this new shift as a new day. It's a brand new day, it's a brand new opportunity for you to take care of new patients or the same patients you had before and do a a much better job. And then my last thing would be is that never get off of orientation. Um, Always be willing to learn something. Even when you no longer have a preceptor, know that there are still nurses on the floor who are still more experienced than you. Mm -hmm. Figure out which nurses are willing to jump in there and help you when you need help. Or if you feel like you're drowning or you feel like you have a question, there will always be something that comes up that you didn't see on orientation. And so know that that's okay. Know that it's okay to need to ask for help. Know that it's okay to continue to, I mean, don't be dependent. I don't want I don't want to make it sound like you're never gonna be like fully independent as a nurse and be able to function independently. Just know that you will still need help. There are nurses who have been around for, you know, years and years and years who continue to need to ask somebody else if they've seen something or how do you manage this disease process or this particular medication. Um, so just know that you're always learned continue to learn forever get everything that you can while you have somebody who will jump in and save your ass (laughs) when you're on orientation (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but know that it's still okay to need somebody to sometimes come in and help you out once you're off of orientation Mm
2: -hmm. Um, yeah like I am still developing my own way of precepting people or orienting people and that is never going to change Because I won't ever orient the same person more than once. Um, And if I did, it wouldn't be for the same role. So I am constantly um, trying to tailor my orientations to the orientee. Because everybody's not going to learn the same. Everybody's strengths and weaknesses aren't the same. And so as a preceptor, I'm usually very transparent in what my goals are. And what my goals are for them. And so I'd like to... Um, ask them like at the beginning and I usually will check in like so hey you know how was this week or if we had some big experience how was that what did you feel about that Um, what do you need are you getting everything you need from me and I acknowledge that personalities don't always mix I don't take that personally Um, and I encourage them like you know tell me If, if you need something more let me know if you need something less let me know like I know I asked you a few times, like, all right, you ready to rock solo or like, you know, can I just sit at the desk? Can you do the job or, you know, let me know where are you or um, you have to kind of gauge where the person is. So it's a learning experience on both sides, not just one. And then as a nurse, like you said, every day you come in, there's going to be something different, which is a good thing. It, it definitely keeps you on your toes. Um I'll say this, too, and I heard this in nursing school a lot. Go with your first mind as as an orientee. When you're learning, don't second guess yourself, you know, especially if it's something that, you know, your preceptor has taught you. You've been over it. It's okay. Like, we're not going to let you fail. We're not here to watch you fail. We're not going to let you harm the patient. Go with your first mind. Do what you know you've been taught to do. Um, and always always keep those lines of communication open speak up for yourself if there's something that made you uneasy say it and vice versa and those will be my nurse's notes for both preceptor and orientee mm-hmm. um it's yeah and don't take anything personal because it's probably not most of the time if y'all don't mesh then y'all don't mess keep keep moving you gonna get paid yes all right what else <laughs> is there what else is there to discuss you know what yeah. i'm saying mm-hmm. It'll be all right.
0: All right. So, time for the language laceration. Language <laughs> Thank you for stepping in for me. <laughs> gotcha.
2: Dun dun dun.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. So this week, who wants to say this
1: one You know, I was ha- taking some birth control, and I think I had a blood clog in my leg. <laughs> you had a what? A blood clog? Mm. Like you know the blood wasn't flowing through to the upper part of my leg. It was it was clogged. It was a blood clog. Uh While appropriate
2: wrong. (laughs) 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 Like
0: your heart is in the right place. But
1: (laughs) Not but your words quite. are not mm-hmm. not quite. But plop then, but
2: plop. Mm-hmm. It makes that sound sometimes <laughs> if it were to hit the floor, but so again wrong Put Again, it in toilet water. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> is that not the plop noise? I yeah. think so.
2: Yes, yes people. <laughs> this is just not got a crazy clog. visual. It is not plop. It mm-hmm. is clopped clot with the t c l o t blood clot clot blood clot yeah can we just have a moment of silence for I, clog i think we and do. Clot. Yeah. clot especially
1: i mm-hmm. mean <laughs> <laughs> it is you're right your heart is in the right place with the blood clog it mm-hmm. is because yeah. i mean it's it's, a, it's it clogs. clogs it clogs yep. the vein or the artery or mm-hmm. whatever it is
2: it's, but, appropriate. it's but, appropriate but no but, but it's wrong not quite all right moment of silence, silence. Alright. Cool. Clock. Done. Alright,
0: so let's see if I can get the social media plugs correct. Yeah. Yes. Alright. You got so this. So, you can hit us up on Instagram. We are um, named conscious <laughs> underscore sedation. Conscious is spelled C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S underscore sedation. On Twitter, you can find us at getsedated 705 And also on Facebook, you can find us under either Conscious Sedation or Get Sedated 705. Once again, please email us. Email. We love to get emails, it makes our day. We like screenshot it and send it through the group chat. So, we like it. Look, 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 (laughs) look. We have an email. Alright, so send us emails, send us questions, send us comments. If you got a mindful moment you want to share, if you got some thoughts for the show or suggestion for topics, email us at getsedated seven oh five at gmail.com. Um, once again, thanks for listening to us. Like us, love us,
1: share us, review us, rate us, share us, share us. Comment, like, subscribe. Yes, and then you can yeah so follow our instagram pages are like private pages oh yeah so you can follow me oh yeah yeah at rye rachelle that's r-y-r-a-i-s-h-a-l-l-e on instagram oh
2: let me
0: find my
2: underscore tosh n-u-r-s-e underscore t-a-s-h on insta
0: yeah i am um Mm. Ambitious. ambitious tiff right? yep that is my instagram <laughs> ambitious underscore tiff and well ambitious for the people Tiffany. Oh, a-m-b-i-t-i-o-u-s underscore tiff clearly i'm on instagram a lot so <laughs>
1: clearly
2: <laughs> can, she's all over you it. can follow me there so next week next a week
1: mic, right but can we do our
2: I thought no. I to do what are we gonna Oh, I was trying to put that out there. Yeah, I'm going to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Oh, hey, Puerto Rico. Hey, hey. All right. What? Go ahead. Next what? episode. What are we talking about?
1: I mean, can we get our? are are gonna music? do the beat Everybody's waiting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we look like, like waiting like, to get crotchier. Like, Start another yeah. side. Puerto Rico. No. Do your
0: feet? <laughs> <peek. laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: feel feel feel, hit it. Feel feel feel, boom. shake it. Feel feel feel, hey, feel feel feel, get it. all right, okay, yeah, she, all right. okay. When we, we get back,
2: when I get back from Puerto Rico. Okay, hey. all right. Okay. What are we talking about? Okay.
0: Uh, our next topic is going to be.
2: Oh shit! When to go where? and we don't mean like to hell or
1: whatever but you know
2: it did sound like that so (laughs) Tasha
1: did mention we're gonna unfortunately guys I know this is gonna be hard for you but we are going to take a week off we're gonna since Tasha is gonna be put it all on me on the beach okay Mm-hmm. We're gonna y'all take you call me, I'll be sipping. First. We're gonna take <laughs> We probably don't want your commentary. <laughs> you don't call me. We don't want no your want commentary to. if mm-hmm. you're gonna no. be sipping on the
2: For beach. the rec- Let the record show I did offer.
1: She didn't though. So we're gonna take a week off, but when we come back, we are going to do when to go where. And that is talking about um, when to go to the ER versus the primary hair doctor versus blah blah. Y'all get the point. So we're gonna give y'all some information. So you know when to go where. Right. All
0: right. Awesome. All right. What's up?
1: It's been fun
0: chatting with you guys. We will talk to you later.
1: Thank you for tuning in.
0: Peace. Peace. Bye.